0: Hope
1: it makes. But when you tuck the shirt in, it, we know we know it emphasizes the low waist. Okay, you know that. I was just telling. The th- other thing is,
0: Wait, Max, let let Stephen finish insulting me. The tire. Start recording. It shows the tire. Recording. The spare tire. It right. shows the tire. Um, yeah. This, I was just, be, this I was is just how
1: we should. I was
2: just telling him in order to keep your mouth in front of the mic. Yeah. When you yeah. turn to someone, turn your body and keep your mouth here like
1: this. Okay, but he doesn't need to. No, he you, doesn't. You, sh- you What up. you're doing, from what I can tell, mm-hmm. is you're talking and then you're you're looking to the right or you're looking to the left and you move. If you watch Max, he just stays here the whole time. So I'm going to do that today.
0: Well, I think that that's a good goal for you. And what Well, I-, I can do it. It's okay. you the, that's the goal. Oh, it's him. Um, Are we recording? Listen. Every time, Stephen, I I say, please don't say, are we recording? And you can't control yourself. It's like the boomer. Untuck your shirt.
2: Never. Shows your low waist, and it shows a little evidence of attire. Hey, Dad. Um, I think it's great that this is the only time we can see one another. Don't
1: turn to the side. I'm
2: not turning to the side. My face
1: (laughs) is on the microphone. No, I can hear Guys,
0: you guys sound great. I'm mixing the sound. Everyone sounds really good If, if... If I hear something that's trailing off, I'm going to just say, Stephen, if you can get more into the mic. That's right. It sounds to me like I don't hear anything that will throw our sound off. And you know, Um, John, tell me. I don't care what Andrew Santino says. Yeah. You have a lovely body. Thank you very much. (laughs) Who is Um, Andrew Santino? The great Santino, the great Santini, you. Santini, not Santino. Um, about my about my clothes I, I like to dress like I work on the railway on the railway and that's what I'm wearing today I, I'm not talking about your clothes I'm talking about how you're wearing it.
1: the t-shirt, should be pulled out.
0: Okay, fair enough. May I say, and I normally don't speak like this. That's not your best jacket. It's <laughs> definitely uh, not. It's that a hoodie. looks. Yeah, hoodie. that you looks. know, I wore at a Carlsbad gift shop. You
1: to comment. That's exactly it, why I wore it.
0: It doesn't know what it wants to be when it grows up. Is that a sweatshirt? It's, it's a
1: multi. Combo.
2: It's multi-material. So the vest part of it is like a waterproof mm-hmm. uh, material, and then the arm is a soft. Material. It's a vori
0: which is a, a work. Worry. It's so it's a workout type of. Thing. Do you know where vory is from? No. Encinitas, California. Very good to know. Yeah. Okay, um, guys. We have a great show today. Welcome to Hope It Makes. Hope It Makes is a real estate and LA lifestyle podcast, and uh, the expression "Hope It Makes" is a old realtor lingo. Um, for uh, someone who is has a deal and they're telling you about the deal and you say, hope it makes, it's a way of wishing someone good luck. And um, with that, uh, my name is John Bronson. I've been selling real estate for 20 years. And we are here with Stephen Shapiro. Hello. Stephen is the broker of record at Westside Estate Agency in Beverly Hills uh, We and Malibu. We have 80 agents uh, working here under the... West Side Estate Agency umbrella, right, Stephen? Approximately. Okay. And we're here with at Max Shapiro. Hello, hello. A real estate agent um, with a lot of experience. He's also a highly regarded restaurant reviewer, and we're going to be hearing from him later. He's going to be talking about an exciting new eatery that opened or has been reimagined here in Beverly Hills called La Dolce Vita. Uh, we're going to talk about the ULA tax, the mansion tax, which is setting the L.A. real estate um, market on its end. Is that fair to say, Stephen? No. Okay. And he's going to say no, then we're going to find out why not. Um, but let's get straight into it. Stephen, you had some some ideas. You want to talk about the ULA. Maybe you, you want to say what it is. I'll talk about the The ULA is a tax
1: for the city of Los Angeles, and the city of Los Angeles is very widespread. It includes the, it's not just downtown. It includes the San Fernando Valley, includes West LA, includes Brentwood, includes the Palisades. Uh, it, it, it includes the non-West Hollywood area of Hollywood. Uh, it's a huge area. And the tax went into, for, into effect on April 1st, and the uh, the tax is an additional 4% of the gross selling price on any sale between 5 and $10 million. And then it is an additional 5.5% of the gross sale price over $10 million. And it's not just residential, it's commercial as well. So apartment buildings, uh, I just read today that uh, the Reuben brothers, who were the lender on Century Plaza, foreclosed at a billion dollars. So they had to pay an additional $55 million in uh, ULA tax. Yeah. The tax came kind of out of the blue because neither mayoral candidate wanted to talk about it. If... Caruso talked about the tax, he would be deemed to be somebody favoring rich people that didn't want to pay the tax. Mm -hmm. If Bass talked about it, then she was alienating the wealthy people that didn't want to pay the tax. But the bottom line is that it was not thought out properly by anybody with a business mind, because it's a a tax on the gross sale. What if you've lost money? What if you paid $6 million for a house, you put a $1 million into it, the market slows down, you sell it for $5 million. You lost $2 million, but you're paying a tax on the gross amount of the sale, which is absolutely incorrect. There are two pending lawsuits now that are going to come up sooner than later that are Objecting to the sale, to to the tax and how it was implemented. If they are successful, it would go on the 2024 ballot, which in order to pass would require two thirds of uh, a yes vote, when this vote was a 56% vote. So if you look at this one, uh, it likely wouldn't pass if. They're successful in their lawsuit. Uh, I I did some tracking yesterday, and there were twenty sales over ten million dollars mm-hmm.
0: in March, beating the uh, ULA tax. Right. They, they, they The business sped up for a moment because people were trying to get. Save in, that money. Save that in four in or five Prior to percent. April 1st.
1: There were 39 sales between five and $10 million. So essentially, there were 60 sales. How many would there have been anyway? Probably something close to that. Probably 40, 45 would have taken place anyway. Mm-hmm. It, it There's nothing that anybody can really do. Um, you know you 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 have to pay the tax now but the city has been advised by their I don't know which department the accounting department not to spend the money yet until this lawsuit is adjudicated so they're collecting the money and ostensibly they're going to hold it in some sort of an account until they're sure that it's going to happen and then
0: they'll then they'll be able to misspend the money i, I speculate that If this is successful on any level, if there's some kitty that is growing of money that is somehow can be allocated, it's at five million and ten million, but pretty soon they're gonna say, Hey, you've got a house for two million, for three million. It's gonna slide slide down. down. This is just going to be the first wave of just a way to get around taxes.
1: I don't think there's been any city in California that's instituted this type of tax that has successfully built housing for the homeless. I know yeah. San Francisco hasn't. I don't know how Santa Monica's done, but I'm doubtful that they've done anything mm-hmm. of uh, a dramatic nature as well. Santa Monica has a tax. yeah, uh, and, and their tax increased on their latest um, uh, ballot initiative. So theirs is, uh, is it, it doesn't increase after a certain amount, but it's higher at the lower end and stays you know, s- stays higher than it was in L.A. Yeah. So Santa Monica, which is difficult to do anything in anyway, now makes it more difficult.
0: All right, so w- we'll keep an eye on this. We're going to be looking at the legislation. We'll be updating people. And hopefully there will be some resolution that is more fair, more, I'm going to say it, more American. Um, <laughs> and um, in the meantime, Stephen, Max, um, uh, How's the how's how's the real estate market? Just what is your just general bar- barometric pressure what is your phone ringing um can, is are you getting a lot of showings on your properties? I can only speak on what I'm personally dealing with and um it's very slow. As opposed to me who tries to speak on general
2: issues, yeah. go ahead. No, I was just like yeah, it's very very slow. Um, except for
1: that, except for that property that you made an asking price offer and it went into multiples and you didn't
2: get it. Right, but I mean that's that's an area that I I've never done business in.
1: But it's a it's a significant price. It was two six fifty. But
2: that's also that that price range is things are still happening. Yeah. Okay. So that's um, happening, and that's not the price range I specialize in. Right. But. Um, lost the listing today. Uh, two months before it's uh, le- it's the, the end of the lease. Sorry, not the end of the lease. The end of the listing. Um, it's it's a seller once again thinking that the problem is the agent and not the fact that their house is overpriced. And so because of that, um, I lose out on an opportunity that I was very excited about. Mm-hmm. And the next agent in that. Has the balls to say it's a price issue will potentially get that sale. Yeah.
1: Well, but also at that price you wouldn't have sold it.
2: But no, because it was overpriced. It,
1: it, it's been on the market for how many years?
2: Four on years, it, on and off for north of four years. But he's always leased it out for about a hundred thousand or more uh, when it doesn't sell. He gets short term leases, but
1: but the the fact is. That you know, I'm aware of a lot of houses that have been on the market for three, four, five, six years, and they're on the market because they're too much money.
2: Yeah, and that that was the case here. And and the email I got today was that we aren't doing enough, and well, that's not maybe really. You should buy it. That's not. Well, it's just not really the truth. It. it we can only uh, satisfy what the demand is and when the demand is nothing it's a price issue
1: plus a house that's been on the market that long is stale very stale everybody has seen it every agent has had it it, when a house is on the market for years uh every agent that looks at it will say well that house can't be worth it it's It's been on the market for four years got a stigma so you have to have a substantial reduction in order to motivate a rekindling of interest from the community
0: yeah Max, you know, you bring up an interesting point. Um, everyone, you know, when you get a listing, they want to know what you're going to do to sell the house. But yeah. the reality of it is is the MLS sells houses and everything else sells agents. I mean, if I send out an email, you know, we have a tremendous... I
1: like that slogan.
0: Thank you. Um, it's true. that You know, we have an email distribution list at West Side Estate Agency that I'll, I'll put ours up against anyone. I think we probably have a very high open rate and we've got a lot of business managers and a lot of people that we've done business with before, and I, I know that people like to see what we're doing. I think part of it is that we're a smaller agency. People know our names. They want to see the properties that we're doing, but the reality of it is is um, you can send out an email. You can do all that stuff, but the MLS is what's going to sell your house, but the 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 seller wants to see... You know, they want to see advertising. They want to see, they want to know why you're not in the Rob report. They want to know why
1: Useless, you... useless.
0: It's well, useless. useless. It's useless. It's useless, but... The,
1: w- and, and the and National Association of Realtors, and this is a couple years old already, had the response from printed advertising to be less than
0: 1%. It, right. It doesn't... It, it definitely helps the agent because their name is out there.
1: Max, what happens when you get a client? What's the first thing you do when somebody says... I'm looking to buy. What's the first thing you, you do? Look in the MLS. It's the first thing
0: every real That's estate great. agent pull does. Pull it right up. It's the second thing I do.
1: What's the you first thing? You jump
0: up and down? No, I can't. <laughs> That's the third <laughs> okay. thing. I, do. I call Stephen oh. and <laughs> see if he knows of a really fantastic yeah. house. That, so. uh,
1: but but literally, the first thing a broker does is they look and see what inventory is available on
0: the MLS, no. and they they move from there. Right. Um, but in, regardless, you have to satisfy them, um, or else well, they're Well, no, you, it.
1: it's not, it's not, you have to overcome their objection. Right. You know, you have to explain why this makes, you know, I used to say, okay, you want an ad in the rob report? You pay for the ad because you think it's going to work and I'll take it off my commission when it sells. Yeah.
2: And then they'll and say
0: then they, never mind. They
1: say never mind. Right, exactly, right, exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I've I, I've lost listings to that. I had a guy from. But you have to explain that why it's useless. Oh, oh, I explained, and then that that bought me a month. And yeah. then, um, then you know, if it doesn't sell, they point the finger at something. It's they it's, have only one person to point
1: the finger correct. at, and the person that's being pointed at has to come back and say
0: it's the price. Everything is a function of price. But at the same time, some things sometimes you just have to wait for that right buyer. And I'm not saying you have to wait a long time, but like, you know, I'm in this condo right now. Well, um it's a, it's a week. I know. <laughs> uh it, it it's a week and um but we priced it correctly and you know, if it goes a month, if it goes 6 weeks, you don't doesn't mean you automatically panic for a property like that.
1: Well, I think in that price range, you don't panic, but you discuss a reduction.
0: Um, well, you know what? I'm not ready to discuss a, <laughs> for any kind of reduction. Um, all right, so that was some really nice uh, real estate talk. Uh, we're going to make a segue here. We're going to talk about um, a restaurant in Beverly Hills. But before we do that, yes, we're going to talk about Beverly Hills a little bit. Hey, um, Stephen. Uh, do you know what's interesting about Beverly Hills? Do you know that it was it was founded by Dallas oil speculators? Did you know yes. that? Yes. And they came here and they dug for oil and they didn't hit any oil. There's oil all over the city. Oil but all over yeah. Beverly Hills didn't really. There's oil at Beverly Hills High School and a lot of kids yeah. got, Not anymore. got sick. Well, I know, yeah. but this is why I am how I am. I, I know some. That and my mother. I, I know I know some houses in the um, Pico Robertson area. That the o- the um, annuity that they were getting from the oil company actually bought the house. They were they made more money on the oil.
1: Hillcrest Country
0: Club. That whole it was very rich in oil.
1: Very rich in oil. Yeah. yeah. My, when I bought my first house in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. you had um, I forget which oil company, but they would do slant drilling. Yeah. And the oil under your house, you'd get you know one hundred and fifty dollars a year or whatever, but that was Beverly Hills and right. that's been eliminated now but there was always oil money to be spread out in the community
0: that's right early on that's right um so what happened was these Dallas guys they they didn't strike oil so they were they just turned their real estate into real estate developers and they had the uh, entire city master planned and sales were slow so what they did do you know what they did, Stephen?
1: I'm going to guess because I know how other communities have been developed. Tell me. They built the Beverly Hills That's hotel. That's
0: right. They built the Beverly Hills hotel. Now, at the time they built, 1912, something Both like things, that. I think. Uh, so what what happened was was the the chic hotel of the time was the Roosevelt Hotel in Hollywood. That's where all the the celebrities, that's where all the snowbirds would visit. And these the origi- nothing, there was nothing you know, west, the west of The original Oscars were held? Everything, yeah. Yeah. everything. There was nothing west. Yeah, the, there was nothing
1: western west. Avenue the Avenue was called Western Avenue because that was the western edge of Los Angeles. An oh,
0: look. And you know, what was interesting <laughs> is that from the Roosevelt Hotel, which is in Hollywood, to Beverly Hills, that was basically just orange groves. It was agricultural land. Yeah. Um, so these... They developed the Beverly Hills Hotel. They hired the woman away from the Roosevelt Hotel who was the one who kind of kept the party going. And then the celebrities followed them here to the Beverly Hills Hotel. And then they opened a realty office in the hotel. And if you were staying in the hotel, what they would do is they had a Rolls Royce and they would drive you around and have you look at property and, lots. and the lots. hotel would sell the lots to you. And um, in fact, these Dallas oilmen, the same designer, designed Highland Park in Dallas at about the same time. And visitors to Dallas will note that we have all the same street names. We have. They have a Rodeo. They have a Cannon. They have a... Um, a Crescent Drive, all the same streets. I did not know that. And also the same layout of the library and the city hall attached. Um, So there's just some interesting facts. That
1: happens to be a standard um, operating procedure of large developments.
0: So Beverly Hills is uh, home to phenomenal shopping and restaurants and cafes. And um, before Max goes into the recently reimagined La Dolce Vita, I uh, just want to take us on a little trip down memory lane. Did you guys know um, the chop salad was invented in Beverly Hills at La Scala, which John is John Leon. a exact John Leone who is actually Spanish. He was from Spain. He moved here, and he opened La Scala, and he created the chop salad, which. Uh, To this day, diners all over the world come to try the original John Leone chop. Regale us with some more. Uh, Okay. Did you know that the (laughs) final meal that Marilyn Monroe was ever served was takeout from La Scala? John Leone delivered it to her himself. No, I did not know that. And uh, also the lyrics to Moon River. Do were were you to think that the that the Jean Leon chop
1: salad killed Marilyn Monroe? It, her last it, meal?
0: It, it could have. She she could have drowned with all the
2: water.
1: <laughs> it's too much it's water. Very water, water. Salad. watery
0: salad. <laughs> um, also, the, yeah, the lyrics to Moon River. But that's not all. That that's not the only eatery that Beverly Hills is known for. Go ahead. The first cheesecake factory opened. In 1978, and it's been fattening up diners ever since with huge... Filling people is with, it, with is sugar it the, and cholesterol. Is it the same one that remains on Beverly? Yes, yeah. it's wow. that same one. It was their first one. Uh, they've, they've been known right from the beginning. There was a line on their first day. People couldn't wait to try their huge portions of classic comfort <laughs> foods and a massive selection of what were at the time exotic cheesecake flavors. You can get in now without a line. I think that John did too much research. You know, I got one more for you. (laughs) I'm having a great time, P.S. What's another? Tell us about property. Do you know that um, the very first California pizza kitchen opened its doors in Beverly Hills on South Beverly Drive in 1985? And it was very innovative at the time. It was the first time anyone had seen anything like a barbecue chicken pizza.
1: Or pineapple pizza.
0: Pi- well, no, pineapple, we even had that in Connecticut, but a Thai chicken pizza, a barbecue chicken pizza, maybe max next week and get more into the history. Uh, I'll just take the history right here. Um, <laughs> so they now started in Beverly Hills, and now they uh, operate over 200 restaurants in over 11 countries.
1: Interesting. So, also, that was standing room only when it opened, and... Now you can, walt- can waltz, walt- waltz right in. Any time, day or night.
0: But Be- Beverly Hills has always been known as just a, a spot for glamour and innovation. Um, and um, along those lines, we have a, a restaurant that really, I don't want to step on your toes here, but it thrilled the Rat Pack. Were you planning on talking about that? Sure. Yeah. I was gonna so uh, we're going to have Max Shapiro, at Max Shapiro. Let's let's hear what you have to say about Take a break, John. the yeah, reimagined so La Dolce, I, yeah, La Dolce so Vita. How did, so I, do? So How yes, did that. I do? I see. How did I do?
2: La Dolce Vita, a restaurant that opened in 1966 with Frank Sinatra actually as a, an investor. Yep. Uh, closed in 2020, so a 54-year run, not bad. Uh, towards the end, maybe a little sad to eat there. Did you ever eat there, Dad? Oh,
1: many many years ago not under the most recent ownership well the
2: most recent ownership is literally very no very no
1: no, no. i mean prior the, the oh, most got it. recent prior owner
2: can you give me a decade that you last ate at la dolce vita
1: yeah it would be the decade of the 80s
2: that was your last la dolce vita visit
1: yeah, because you live. Italian food exploded in Los Angeles, right? And
2: this is it was never Italian. It food.
1: was red sauce, red East sauce. coast, New Jersey. Yeah, uh, Italian. Are you, you doing? Yeah.
2: So it's so funny because I grew up on Walden Drive, and Walden Drive is walking distance from La Dolce. It Beach.
1: is, but you wouldn't walk to school a block away.
2: And now look at me now, <laughs> I'm a real walker, I just walk everywhere. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Mark and Med of Call Mom Hospitality uh, took over La Dolce Vita. And I think this is one of those situations where, and we can throw horses into that conversation too,
0: where... Is that the same guys? No. You
2: no, know, different guys, but horses took a place of historical value and didn't really fuck around too much. They just took that as an inspiration and made it the best it could be. So Mark and Med took... La Dolce Vita, and we're like, we're going to keep it red sauce Italian. We're going to keep the vibe very much there. It's, a, like, slightly kitschy. The The carpet is leopard. Um, nice little accents, but they hired a very good chef who's making. From where? Uh, Nick Russo worked with uh, May Lin at Nightbird. Um, Never heard of it. Sorry, not Nightbird. Nightshade. Still never. I've had that. No. Maylin's your your girl. Maylin's my girl. Nightshade, RIP, Daybird, if you want some fried chicken sandwiches. Um, But Nick is just... Also,
0: Nick is Italian-American, so
2: it it fits right in. And he's taking these old classics...
0: So is this sort of like a Carbones type of a situation? You could say that. You could
2: say that. But he's taking these old classics and using nicer ingredients and better technique, and things just taste good. Plus... The atmosphere is good, and the music's good, and the cocktail program's good, and martinis, martinis, oh, different kinds of martinis, different. No, 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 Mai ties. Okay, um, we're
0: not a Trader Vic's. Right. I was just thinking of the that's the, of the time.
2: No. Right. So what they're doing okay, is okay, Stephen. They're, they're using that as an inspiration and and elevating it. Mm-hmm. You're getting your tableside Caesar salad if you order the large uh, format format manicotti they do it tableside put it on your plates um there's a element of theatrics uh there and i think they just did a really
0: good job caesar salad tableside absolutely that's important readers
2: with ties and black jackets they have very specific uh outfits like vests with button-down shirts and ties not but you know the gm's wearing a suit uh, it, it's just really well done, and it's a place that's greater than the sum of its parts, right? Like, if you go there looking for a culinary experience and to be blown away, it's not really going to happen. It's it's everything together, which makes it super enjoyable, and I think that it's an incredible addition to what I think is a very stale Beverly Hills dining culture. And it's small and intimate. It's very small. I think it's maybe 11 tables and then the bar. That's it? That's it. It's a wow. tiny and, restaurant. And do, let me ask you: Do these
1: guys own it, or did the previous or the current owners give it to them to run and make a business out of it?
2: I think they bought over the, bought the business, uh, and and I th- I also think this is a passion project for these guys. They have other things that make money, uh, but this is this is that passion project. They a- have took you something-
1: noticed that on the top of the building? It's a small building. Yeah. It's its own building. Yeah. And it says the Barfell building yeah. or something. It's a, there's a name. Is I there any it history
2: is. to that? I haven't looked into that, no. And
1: that would be interesting to find that history.
2: But, uh, you know, kudos the. building to has inside. a
1: name that's a one story. Might be Barman. foot The Barman w- building. Yeah, Barman Burman. Burman. Burman Bar- building. No, it's Barman. Barman. It's a, it's a one story, 50 foot wide building with a name. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, Max, uh, most importantly, yeah. for a lot of the diners out there, yeah. certainly the one standing right in front of me. Yeah, uh, a dinner at La Dolce Vita for two. Yeah, is gonna run me roughly how much? So how many.
2: This is this is if you're a sober person, your dinner is gonna be a lot cheaper. But so why don't you give it to me? Both deals range from like seventeen to twenty, twenty one dollars, <sighs> and then there's a wine list that has. A very good frappato for sixty five dollars, oh, and then what? frappato. It's a it, it's a grape, an Italian grape. Okay. Mm. Um, mm. Or you can. How do you not know that? You could spend thousands of dollars on a bottle of wine. It, it all depends. Well, what, but okay, but your, just do what, me a favor. What's your highlight meal. Yeah, highlight what was your highlight was entree? The,
1: give us some entrees that that you would suggest
2: entrees cuz people only eat entrees
1: no just give, just give just us give, give us
2: the order well, but you got to get the tableside caesar i think that the tuna tartare is a sleeper it comes with a uh, a chickpea panelle that you put the the tartare on it has a tonnato sauce
1: an unusual dish for an italian restaurant tuna tartare
2: right but but no i like no, it but
1: El a mix crudo
0: with the tonnato sauce and then the panelle is excuse me max i just want to correct your yeah, father crudo. El crudo chach Thank you. But this isn't an
2: Italian restaurant. This is Italian American. <laughs> this is like a Malone. I know I see. Uh,
1: they drop the on the menu, they drop the la, the last vowel of they, the um, they of don't. The dish. That's up
0: to the diner to do okay. that. I'm gonna give you a scenario. Yeah. Uh Caesar salad table side for two. Yeah. Two entrees. Yeah. And a half carafe. So no one's having appetizers. Got it. No salad. Caesar
2: salad is appetizer. I'm gonna try okay. to keep
0: her away from two the sal- from an okay. appetizer.
2: So it depends on the entrees. I mean a there's no carafe, but it's that meal would probably be including tax and tip
0: like around 200 bucks.
1: which would require you to go Dutch with your date, John.
0: Absolutely. right <laughs> Don't, yeah no um, so two hundred dollars, okay. Beverly Hills. Yeah, you're in Beverly Hills. Special occasion. I also think
2: that's not special occasion anymore. You could drop $200 at a hole in the wall on just oh, yourself.
0: It's a special occasion for me, let me tell you that much.
2: But this, I think the cocktail culture here is going to be really good. They they hired a, a, a bard manager from Dante in New York City, and this guy's crushing it. This guy's really good. Good. His name's Michael. So
1: I went. I went to book... When you told me about it, I went to book for tonight Mm -hmm. um, early because you know I eat early, and nothing.
0: Go to the bar. A lot of people in Beverly Hills eat early. Saddle up to the bar.
1: No, we had we had a third. Ellen's niece is here. Got it. So uh, that wouldn't work. Saddling doesn't work. All right. So guys at Uh, home, seats at the bar.
0: Give La Dolce Vita (laughs) a try. Six to eight. Six to eight. Give La Le- Dolce a Video try check try to make your reservations in advance. Certainly give at the it beginning. A up. I give it two
2: thumbs up. Two thumbs. Whoa. Like I said, it's greater than the sum of its parts. It's okay. it's an overall impressive, uh, nice opening by by the boys, Mark and Med. Okay, nice. g-
0: good job. And they're um, great
2: guys too. So you want to support them? Okay. Yeah.
0: Max, nice job. Thanks uh, a lot. A couple more facts about Beverly Hills. Oh
2: Jesus!
0: Do you know what else is from Beverly <laughs> Beverly Hills? Why What's no, that?
1: that? That's not a big clue.
0: Sprinkles, sprinkles, started cupcakes. Started in Beverly Hills. We know Hill. that. Yeah, the home of the ATM cupcake. Well, we know it, but not everyone listening so does abroad.
1: So ice cream, which was really good. It never, never.
0: Also, also hailing from Beverly Hills is the actor Charlie Chaplin. Yes, He's from right from Beverly Hills. I I hail from Beverly Hills. Max Stephen. Yep. Uh you've spent a lot of time in Beverly Hills. Why why would anyone live here? I know the answer, but let's see if you guys got it. Why why would anyone choose Beverly Hills? The city
1: of Beverly Hills? Yeah. It's it's an amazing small town. Mm-hmm. It's a 35,000 resident town. Yeah. with a fantastic police department, the top-line fire department. Fire. Uh, uh, schools. You I've I've had uh when I lived in the flats, I had instance where I had um to call
0: 911.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'd say the police were there in certainly under 90 seconds and maybe under 60 seconds. There's not much crime in Beverly Hills, so they're like chomping at the bit to get to where there might be something that they have right. to deal with. Right. Uh, so that was amazing. The schools are used to be amazing, but with the increase in private schools... Um, the demand for the city. city of Beverly Hills last year had their lowest school enrollment in history.
0: Right, even better for the few people that are still attending a class well, it size.
1: Depends on whether they're learning or not and the, the teachers.
2: But I'm a product of
0: the Beverly product, Hills public school system.
1: Not only a product, mm-hmm. but he won at El Rodeo.
0: Head with the Spanish class?
1: The athlete of the year. So really? I mean, like, you were the best athlete grade. at that
0: school? This is
2: what happens when you average about 57 points a game. His,
0: what let grade? Me, let me explain what that. What grade? His eighth grade We're talking season. about his eighth grade accolades? Yeah, well, that only is goes senior to, year. He
1: only goes up to eighth grade. At El Rodeo like, only goes oh, to the eighth yeah. So in, in his eighth grade
0: season was a stud.
1: on their intramural basketball, not intramural, mm-hmm. intramural basketball team, because yep. they would play the other schools, he
0: outscored... Each team Mazel tov. is scoring. He outscored each Mazel team. Mazel tov. Um, but guys, those were all good guesses. The, the police department, great, great guess. Good idea. Good thought. Shopping. The, the schools, phone. another good idea. Um, the fire department. But the real reason is the tennis courts. Here in Beverly Hills, we have the Roxbury tennis courts. We got four over there. We got some, pa- uh, some pickle. There's only Four. I think that one has four in a pickle, oh, but no. then if you go to La Cienega... Oh, my God,
1: tennis courts for days.
0: Right, and they're, they're a fantastic service, and they have uh, reservations online. It's very affordable, and I think that that would persuade someone to buy in Beverly Hills, and with that, I did a little I've research. Had a lot of, I've had a lot of sales where people say, I need a city with a lot of tennis courts. And that's where you're going to go is the city <laughs> of Beverly Hills. Uh, I did some research that, you know, the last property... That's sold in Beverly Hills. How would you pronounce that word? Property. There you go. Uh, the last property that's sold in Beverly Hills, um, Stephen, yesterday, uh, is 922 North Alpine Drive, uh, which sold for $9.5 and, and that is a 21,000-foot lot, so just under a half uh, an acre. And it looks like that is being sold um, for lot value. So it's a on the Al- on Alpine the nine hundred block of Alpine, which is certainly very desirable, right?
1: It is a l- it is lot value. Very that's a great street. Okay, so
0: now d- walk me through this, Stephen. This house, I think it's very charming. I d- I don't think it's a mid-century L-shaped footprint, and it's sort of um uh it's very stylish. But it seems to me that that property, what's going to happen to that property? Someone bought it for nine and a half.
1: What were they asking?
0: Twelve. They were asking. Time. That's a great question. It Was on the market for 158 days before it transacted, at what and they were asking. I can see the original list price of 11.4. Okay. So now it's sold for nine and a half. Yes. That's we're just calling that dirt here. So half an acre, yeah. prime prime Beverly Hills, yes. north of Sunset, Alpine Drive, nine and a half million. Uh, that would put the lot value for an acre at eight, approximately 18 million, 19 million right? Half an oh, acre? Right.
1: No, just do it per square foot. Then anybody can extrapolate whatever oh. they want. So that's $450 yeah. a square foot.
0: Okay, great. That make you feel like a big shot to yeah. tell me that? I'm yeah, trying. It, makes here. it
1: much easier. So if okay. you have a 10,000 foot lot, that's $4.5 that million. Dollars.
0: Quickly. Okay. So now we've got a $9.5 million lot. Now what's going to happen here?
1: Somebody's going to build a 12,000 foot house
0: on that. And load. then at that moment, at that 12,000 foot House, which is going to cost them fifteen hundred a foot, two thousand dollars a foot, uh, you can depending spare, on you quality can whatever you want of course, but typically
1: uh, over a thousand
2: definitely o- over a
0: thousand. oh so fifteen hundred you want to call that
1: sure no, S- I said over a
0: over a thousand a foot I don't know i I don't feel like we're fighting, but you do, so that <laughs> property at the end of its conclusion of its build process, which can take two or three years, right costs to carry everything else, yeah. Uh, they're hoping that that property at that moment is worth what
1: more than the twenty-five that they're into. So it.
0: they're into it. They're going to be and into they're this.
1: They're, they're that person's not specking. The it.
0: Owner they're user. Buying it.
1: They're buying it to live in. They'll get
0: value out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. So that's they're looking at what's going to end so up. They're being. Not,
1: they're. They're. They're not. Th- obviously, they have plenty of money, so they're not looking at anything other than building what they Dream. want to suit their needs, and they're anticipating they're going to live there happily for a long time.
0: Right. And so they're, but they're into this for a good amount of money here, yeah. this, this, this property. Yeah, they're wealthy people. They're wealthy people. Yeah. And uh, with,
1: I, I will tell you police. that I think it was an empty house, so there was a motivation to sell. Mm-hmm. They recognized after, I forget if you said 150 days, mm-hmm. that it wasn't worth $11.5 million. Right. And they wound up selling it for a couple million dollars less than they were asking, which is 20% below the asking price. Right. So that's somebody that said, it's but, time to move on.
0: Stephen, but were they, do you fault them? For for trying to s- spend a few months at a higher evaluation, should they have immediately cut to the, the bone? It's hard to know the high end. It's, it's a very tricky market. That, John. What's that?
1: It's hard to know the answer to that. Obviously, they had very the different people all. telling them what they thought it was worth. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, you know, the broker tells them it's worth this and... Uh, if it's not worth this, the broker has to suggest strongly that they bring the price down to a number. That was it reduced, or did it sell at that price based off the asking price?
0: It looks to me like it was just off the asking, which I, I always find that. Can you? Can you search I'm going to. I'm going to
1: search listing history.
0: I'm doing it. Maybe um, someone no, told them that it was just 11.4. Okay. So that's, that that's difficult. That actually makes it. That's a tough job on the buyer's agent because number one, you're taking. Uh, buyers and to look at property two million dollars over what their budget is oftentimes right
1: you're looking at an empty house where probably somebody died and it needed to sell Mm -hmm. and so you look at that and you say hey here's somebody that um, uh, has a a reason to sell Mm -hmm. so let's make them a quick clean you know all cash deal and see how they respond right so I mean, you know, back back to ULA and the tax. What that's going to do is it's going to it's going to eliminate a lot of aspirational sales. It's it's going you're you're going to have to sell a house where somebody died,
0: mm-hmm.
1: somebody moved out, somebody's moving up or down, mm-hmm. uh, somebody has a financial problem that they that they need to rectify Mm -hmm. so there are various different reasons why somebody needs to sell a house in max's example the guy that owns the house that's been on the market for four years doesn't need to sell it he'd like to sell it he doesn't need to sell it most buyers that are out there today are going to buy a house where a seller needs to sell
0: right of course um moving on Steven, um I have something
2: to say. Please, it's pretty great. It's here he's messing around with his phone and he hit the dictation button. So while he's talking, yeah, his phone is typing out every single word he's said. You know, I this think this is this is you know, he he's in great shape. He's
0: a boomer. Sharp, but he is he is a boomer Old. He's a boomer. Yeah. And it's, you know what, I Can't think, deny it. I think they're in a weird way. I'm they're young in spirit. They're cute to have really? around. They're like having a little baby Yoda. <laughs> and they, they, they are just, they're old and they've been around a long time and they're not great with their are phone. you
1: calling me a they.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying that you're, 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 you're a textbook boomer. And it's fun to have around, and I like you, and I'm Ooh. sorry that this has been so contentious today between the two of us. I felt like we were having a nice... Who did, who did that dictate to? Well, I didn't send it, I hope. But who, who did that dictate to? Oh, Steven, Max. Uh, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, is right. Yeah, how do I
2: get rid of it? How do you get rid of it? <laughs> oh, my God. Steven? Oh. <laughs> is there an easy way to get rid of that? Can we nope. do that
0: in, you on can your can, time? You
2: can hold it down and select all and then delete. Well, bef- talk while I'm
0: doing this. Well, bef- before, this we adjourn, um, Do uh. <laughs> before we adjourn, Do it. Before we adjourn, yeah. Stephen's gonna take his technical difficulties away yeah. from the, um, the time we have here on the podcast. Uh, yeah. Uh, the weather's beautiful. We're we're in the selling season. Yeah. Um, I, I'm finding, it, it, you know, the loans have slowed down a bit. And um, the, the, the market is certainly at a standstill. A lot of people are, are kind of holding out hope for this ULA to be overturned. Uh, wh- 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 what's your take on the market, Stephen? How, are you I'm bullish? Are you bearish?
1: For you, John, because you have a new listing. It's yeah. been on the market a mm-hmm. week, right. So what I'd like to know mm-hmm. is what that week's activity has um, shown you.
0: You know we've had we've had a very good amount of showings. We have a lot of good
1: amount of showings.
0: We've had ten showings in a week. Showings, yeah, it's a lot of activity. Okay, you know the the um, the buyer for this apartment, um, I condo apartment. uh, If it's New York, it's an apartment here. It's a condo. Those those buyers are coming out of their estates typically that they sell in Beverly Hills and Bel Air and things like that. And they're moving into, they're transitioning into a different part of their life. And those sales have, have really taken a hit. So I think it's a little bit slower than it would have been th- three or four years ago. I but some advice. I'm very confident in my property, in my, in my product. And I think that we're going to have this sell, sold uh, sh- very shortly.
1: I have some advices for you.
0: I'd love to hear your advices.
1: When somebody wants to see the property, yep. find out what the buyer's motivation is. Have they sold their house? Are they moving from New York? Are they uh, uh, combining households? What do they have a timeline certain that they need to move? Instead of you know somebody just saying, well, if I decide to sell my house, I want to see what's out there, which is a lot of what you're expressing. Condos are people mm-hmm. moving from their big houses. But frequently they look before they even you know, put their house on the market. That's kind of a waste of time. But if you can find out what the motivation of the buyer is, that will help you determine whether they're a likely uh, suspect or not.
0: You know, I, I, I understand what you're saying. The way that I... Well, it was
1: in English. The way that
0: I review this... Damn. The way that I, the way that I review this, Stephen is um i'm 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 hoping someone's going to walk in and fall in love yeah. and when that happens uh cuz you With see this you or it, i've had believe me i've sold houses where it's been me but in this instance they're going to walk in they're going to see the view they're going to get a sense of the space and they're going to make a decision that maybe isn't you know something that they've thought out because sometimes people make an emotional decision and with that, I hope everyone wishes me, a real hope it makes. I'm not and done. You're not. You have more to talk, more I to discuss. Oh, sorry. You know, the part, I will say this: there's only one person's doing a pet peeve today. Max, we've heard about your restaurant, and I thought that was great. I went on up and pontificated about the city of Beverly Hills. We have time for one pet peeve. And Stephen, and Looks when like Stephen, when Stephen, okay. I thought you were wrote down facts and interest rates, but in fact no. he wrote his pet piece down. But pet before peeve. all he really cares about, of course, uh, you know, when Stephen and I discussed doing this podcast, I wanted to inform people, I wanted to turn people and and give them a window to what the real estate market does. And Stephen said, "I'm not doing it unless I can discuss my pet piece.
2: We want more. He Except wants pe- it to be. He lifestyle. Sein- Seinfeldian. Oh, Pep okay. peeve. Let's
0: Pat hear peeves, it.
1: Pet Peeves, they revolve around car commercials. Okay. And I've got two instances that I think we'll all agree with. Let me hear it. And I want you to go home tonight, or mm-hmm. today, and watch your car commercials. Firstly, whenever anybody's driving, they've got a big smile on their face.
0: They're so in a new car. So when you,
1: when you leave and get in your car, let me know if you're smiling.
0: When I it smells think, like a I new car, I do. Smi-
1: I don't think you're smiling. I think that's gratuitous. Mm-hmm. Second thing, which has bothered me for quite a while, and now there's a new element that bothers me. It used to be winter car commercials that bothered me because they'd have the car driving through the snow and then it would be parked so they can show you the car. There's no snow, there's no slush, there's no wet, there's nothing on the roof. It's not real. Now, I'm seeing the SUVs driving through the mud and going on all terrain and driving up hills. And then when they get there and they park, the car is showroom clean. It's not realistic. They're trying to fool you, John. Mm-hmm. You're shopping for a car now. Will they fool you? That's not going to fool me. But I'll tell you... Everything
2: I, else on TV is so realistic. So I understand why uh, this really gets I have other you.
1: things, but you won't let me say them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he saw me today, and he was like, your beard looks like James
0: Harden's. Very thick.
1: Well, I have other things about car commercials.
0: You uh, know, I, I'm trying to buy a car for my daughter. And this is the most difficult, most expensive market to buy a car that I've ever seen. Um, the cars that were, you know, the, the, the starter small Volvo, the little one, the baby, the baby. The baby Volvo is a xc40 it's a fantastic car it's the one you want your kid in and um they want with a minimum drive off on that vehicle if you're leasing it that's a 730 and thirty dollar a month lease it is just two years three the last time i dealt with these cars i got a a, a top of the line five series bmw crossover and that that's a really nice car. That was in yeah. the seven hundreds, and now you've you've got these little kid cars. So, I then go to Hyundai, and um, I drive a Hyundai. Uh, I'm gonna say two quick points about that. The cars that we need to have are these plug-in hybrids. The plug-in hybrids drive fantastic. They they let you get off the foreign oil because. I disagree. Uh, uh, let me make my point. Is that w- w- they allow you to to be off the foreign oil? You can drive around the city, get forty miles, not fill up your car. You can fill your car up like only if you go on a long distance. I think that's what needs to be incentivized. I think those are the cars that need to be incentivized. You go to these lots; they have very little of them. Uh, the dealers have the the car companies have figured out that they're making more money, making less cars, employing less imp- workers. Making less cars and doing less discount programs, and then the dealers are getting these cars on the lot and then putting so many um dealer installed options that you don't want and it used to be that they would put like sneak one on now they've got three or four of those on
1: they have a fifty percent markup on
0: and then and then they're just this hyundai uh tucson uh plug in they are selling for three thousand over m s r p Plus all of these dealer-installed incentives, uh, um, uh, options, not incentives. There's no there's no options, anything. You're just paying a premium amount. I'm having a very challenging time. And the interest rate's so high that the payment's high. That's right. And so it's just a really p- tough time to buy a car. And um, I, it makes me not in the mood to shop. And that's that's kind of where I'm at. Stephen, do you have any except advice want, on
1: except that? Except you want your... Sixteen-year-old daughter mm-hmm. to take some burden off of you and your ex-wife, so she can drive herself. And so that's the price you have to pay.
0: And you also want her in the car, where God forbid something happens. You know, you, you know, you did everything you could to keep her as safe as you did. And so, yeah. Um, so anyway, um there you have it, and there's the episode for today. We covered a lot. We covered Beverly Hills. We covered some pet peeves. We discussed a restaurant. We discussed the ULA. We discussed the activity of the market. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you next week. And Max is pointing at Steven. Stephen is pointing at Max for something.
1: Well, tell us how we can reach each
0: other. We already, we, what we already did at the beginning of the show is we called yeah. Max at Max Shapiro. Right. And Steven is just Steven Boomer Shapiro. And you can find oh, him... No. He is the broker of record at the West Side Estate Agency in Beverly Hills. Um, you can find us online. A w- WEA Homes. I'm going to email you.
1: That's OK.
0: W- WEA Homes.
1: So far, it's only two I'm of sure you n- that are going to email me. No one's going to email me.
0: WEAHomes.com. We have a beautiful website, it's got all of our inventory. Uh, how many houses do we have on the market currently, approximately? A couple hundred? Us? Yeah. A couple hundred. How much? A hundred? Fifty? Fifty-ish. Okay, so we have 50 delightful 60. homes. Sixty. Every one of the homes that we have on the market, I can tell you that we we really work very hard on the pricing. We work really hard on the product. As hard as we can. Depends and on the seller's if, willingness. I, I can say with great confidence that any WIA agent that you call on is going to really be working very hard on your behalf and with that i bid you all adieu and we hope that you check in with us uh, in the weeks to come thank you very much hope it makes